The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Support for this show comes from best-selling author and master energy healer, Carol Tuttle, and Dressing Your Truth. The effortless makeover program that unveils true, beautiful you to the world. Experience your life-changing transformation at DressingYourTruth.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today is lawyer, licensed psychoanalyst, and activist Ruel Walker. Ruel is the Manager of Educational Program Development for the Pachamama Alliance, a global community offering people the chance to learn, connect, engage, travel, and cherish life for the purpose of creating a sustainable future that works for all. Ruel Walker, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rabbi Rami. When I was looking into what the Pachamama Alliance is and does, it's really quite fascinating. I do want to talk about your own spiritual development and how you came to the Alliance, but let's just help people understand what the Alliance is about. So here's what I know, and just to give you a place to start, as I understand it, Pachamama is a goddess, Earth Mother, who was worshipped by the indigenous peoples of the Andes prior to their forced conversion to the Catholicism under Spanish occupation. So tell me why this name and how does the Earth Mother fit and what's the larger mission of the Alliance? Well, Rami, it's, I think a good way to, to get what we're about is to tell the story of where we came from. About 20 years ago, a tribe of indigenous people in the rainforest of Ecuador called Achuar had very little contact with the modern world at that point. And they're a dream-based culture. Their dreams told them that something very destructive was coming their way, namely the modern world. And their dreams told them that if they did nothing and simply retreated further into the rainforest, they would eventually be destroyed. But if they could find well-meaning allies in the modern world who could advise them how to do it, what would increase their position in the world would be to go forward and meet the modern world on their terms rather than having it come to them and change in the ways that they chose to change. And so they sent out the message in a variety of ways that they were looking for allies to advise them how to do this. And those messages came to the founders of the Pachamama Alliance, Bill and Lynn Twist and John Perkins. And they went down and met with the leaders of the Akshwar and agreed to be their allies in preserving their rainforest and their culture. But at the same time, the leaders of the Akshwar said, you know, if you really want to save the rainforest, the most important thing you could do is back where you come from. And that's what the way they put it was change the dream of the North. But it really was about changing the dream of the whole modern world, that dream of consumption and growing and growing and consuming more and more. That's really destroying both the rainforest and our own environment. And that was the purpose of the Pachamama Alliance and still is. Pachamama is actually the spirit of the entire universe. And it's not a former goddess. It's many people believe it's the spirit that motivates everything we do and is still a very important spirit of nature or spirit of the universe that motivates indigenous people throughout Latin America. 
So I'm interested in using the word dream in two ways. When you say they are a dream-based culture, I think that's a little bit different versus changing the dream of the North, which is sort of more using dream as the word vision or goal or mission of the North. So let me just get a little bit more about this being a dream-based culture. When you say they dreamt challenges were coming, talking about shamans having dreams, you're talking about Everyone was dreaming something that spoke to this. Well, it's very interesting. The culture, I've visited them many times and lived in villages in the rainforest for a few days to visit them. And a family in the Achuar culture begins every day at four or five o'clock in the morning by gathering around the fire and everyone in the family, down to children, say what they dreamt the night before. And the elder of the family views those dreams as a way to decide as guidance from the natural world about what that family should do that day. And they follow the same guidance for the village and for the culture. If the leaders of the village or the culture are having a certain set of dreams that they share, they view that as guidance from the natural world that should be listened to. Do you find in your own life that you're borrowing that? Do you use your dreams as guidance? I do. The concept of the dream world is important to me because the dream world is not just what we dream in the middle of the night in deep sleep. It can be something that, like, I think I have more access to the dream world when I'm in that state before I wake up, before my mind starts churning or going, and something just comes to me as a guidance or clarity. Or it can come to me in a moment in nature when I'm not thinking anything, and I'm simply listening to what the natural world is saying to me. I view that as all the dream world in the positive way. Very interesting. So now tell me about changing the dream of the North. That's very good that you caught that those are two different uses of the word dream. I think we realized when the Oshawar said to us, change the dream of the North, the way they were using dream there is about our unconscious assumptions about what life is about, what's our role in the bigger picture in life, and where are we going. And often those assumptions are at the level of unconscious assumptions. And they can be influenced by a cultural model or a cultural dream. For instance, in the modern consumer culture of the United States and most of the developed world, there's an assumption that more is better, that we can ultimately control our environment and be the masters of our own fate. And that involves being the masters of the natural world as well. That's a fundamentally different stance in the world than indigenous people have where they see themselves as completely interconnected with everything in the natural world and needing to work in harmony with it. And so they were inviting us to look at our unconscious assumptions about where we're headed in the world and what our role in the world is and change those. Not an easy task, but that we realize that, that they're really right because we can change, like in psychotherapy, if we see something we don't like in our lives, if we change our external conduct, without changing the unconscious beliefs that generate that conduct in the first place, it's not long before we're doing the same thing in a different way. And the same thing is true in our culture. If we simply recycle more or adopt better environmental policies without looking at what's the root cause of why we're doing this to the world around us, we will ultimately keep on generating the same problems in different ways. So we need to change that fundamental set of assumptions about our relationship to the world. All right. So my initial reaction is good luck. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, that is huge. But what do you think the root problem is with the dream of the North? You know, it's so huge, uh, Rami, that I, I wouldn't presume to try to summarize that. I mean, I think the fundamental assumption that we have 
you could look at all the other unconscious assumptions that are producing these challenges in the environmental area, in the social justice area, in our experience of meaning and purpose in our lives. The fundamental assumption that really underlies all of them in many ways is the belief that we're separate, that we're separate from each other, that we're separate from the earth, that we were somehow placed on the earth to govern it, or that in many ways we have a belief that we're separate from ourselves. We don't experience our own inner depths as connected with the ultimate power behind everything. I think we're separate from our own potential as human beings and our own deeper and more meaningful role in the world. Let me jump in and say that I think you exactly summarized it. You hit the nail on the head. The problem is that we are alienated from the planet in the Bible. And a lot of people go right back to the book of Genesis and say, oh, it all comes from that. And I wouldn't argue against that. But in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, you get two different versions of who we are. In the first chapter, chapter one, we're created as aliens. I mean, God says in that text, let us create and bam, then, you know, men and women are created and we have no connection to the earth. We were just one other linguistic creation of the creator God. Whereas in chapter two, people are are made of the earth. I mean, the Hebrew is clear. Human is Adam from earth, Adama. So it's we're earthlings and it's it's right there in the Hebrew, though the English translations often lose that connection. But in that first story, we're alien, alienated, and we do then exploit and dominate the planet. Uh, using it for our own purposes, as if that's all it was. It was just an it to be used. Whereas in the second one, the Bible makes it very clear that we are here as gardeners. We are supposed to take care of the garden as an integral part of it. And I think that in the North, the dream of the North has really been focused on that first alienating story as opposed to the second, which is being a part of rather than apart from uh, the divine. So when you I mean, your major program is this awakening the dreamer. So I I imagine that's part of getting people to, I'm I'm being a little loose with the terminology here, but to dream differently. Tell tell us about that. Well, the awakening the dreamer program, it manifests itself in a in-person three or four hour program uh, with individual exercises and videos and interactive processes. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. That and then an online version of the same program that is offered now. But both of them have the purpose of what we say the formal purpose of is bringing forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, and socially just human presence on the planet. We believe that those three crises of the human situation and the human spirit nowadays are fundamentally interconnected and that we can't make progress in the environmental area without addressing the social justice area and our own spiritual resources or any of those three without addressing all three and moving them all forward. And the purpose of the program beyond that is to wake people up to what those crises are 
what the root causes are, and to inspire them with the belief and understanding that we can change this. Part of what paralyzes us is the unexamined assumption that the issues are too big for us to change. We think when you look at history, when human beings finally understand something and a critical mass decides to take action, it's amazing what we can change in a very quick time. And so the purpose of the program is to inspire people with the possibility that we can turn this around and to invite them to consider what their unique contribution might be. So what would that look like? I mean, I know on the website, pachamama.org, you have a vision statement of a world that works for everyone. So what does that mean? I mean, I look at life in the rainforest, and honestly, that's not for me, <laughs> right? There's, there's bugs. I'm not doing that. I mean, do you imagine a world that works for everyone? That means everyone lives like middle-class Americans, or middle-class Americans have got to start living like people in the Amazon rainforest? Yeah, I understand the way you're questioning that. You know, what we say is we don't presume to have all the answers. What we're trying to do is generate a conversation that becomes a, a meme in society, that people realize that this is our challenge. And one of the things we say in the Awakening the Dreamer program is that we're not rejecting what the modern world has accomplished, the medical advancements, the technological advancements, the resources, the understanding of how the world works. But we also believe that the indigenous worldview has an enormous amount of wisdom about interconnectedness, about the importance of human beings recognizing their connection to each other. What we really need to do is take the best of the modern worldview and the best of the indigenous worldview and create something new that combines the best of both of those. And we can't begin to say what the contours of that are, but we know that that is the basic challenge. And we invite as many people as possible to enter that conversation with a sense of possibility and hope that we can make a difference. And that it's about the most important thing that we could do at this point in history. What's been the response? What's the impact so far? The Awakening of the Dreamer program has been put on in about 82 countries around the world and has been translated into about 13 different languages. And it's growing rapidly. We think it will make a big leap in the reach of the program when it becomes available online beginning in October of 2015. And we hear numbers of stories about people finding a new sense of hope, a new sense of possibility, making changes in their lives. We invite people to not only focus on the transformation of their own awareness and how they live their own lives, but of looking at the systems and structures of power that hold the old dream in place and the need for all of us to focus on being aware of our own lives, sharing our awareness with other people, and devoting at least a significant part of our action to changing the systems and structures that hold the current dream in place. The second educational program we have is called the Game Changer Intensive. And that's an online course that invites people to see themselves as game changers, to go deeper with the themes of the symposium, and to equip people to be proactivist leaders in making these changes. So it involves a goal of both personal and planetary transformation. It's about who we need to be and what we need to do at this time in history and to help people engage in collective action to make those changes. So let's just go back a second and, and talk about these power structures. I mean, I understand why you don't want to say, okay, we have the answer and the world's going to look like this and show me a picture of what a sustainable planet is with, we're moving, what, eventually soon to 9 billion people on it. 
the power structures that keep the northern dream not just alive but dominant or you know a dominating power you must have in mind the breakdown of those powers the overthrow of those powers certainly you can't leave things as they are so you must have more than a oh it has to change what's your vision of the power structure in a world that's awakened well rami what we recommend is that people focus on two areas one is national game-changing movements. And we have partnerships with two organizations that we believe are truly trying to change the game of what's going on. Let me make a distinction between actions that make the current game better and actions that truly seek to change the game. The three organizations now that we have partnerships with are the Citizens Climate Lobby, which is lobbying to put a price on carbon emissions so that, that we would change our whole relationship with consumer and recognizing the true cost of producing some of the things that we are and consuming energy in the way that we are and reorient our whole economy that way. So Citizens Climate Lobby, working to make that change in the systems and structures and move to amend, which is working to remove the influence of large corporations and large money interests in our political system in the United States. Those are two game-changing movements in the United States that we really recommend people devote some of their energy and action to, and that they also look for things that their own heart leads them to do on a local level or a statewide level to have an impact to bring forth a sustainable, fulfilling, and just world. And obviously, that's an enormous variety of things, but we believe that both the national game-changing level and the local community level are important. So the movement to amend, I'm assuming this is amend the Constitution, amend... What are we amending? The point of that is to change, particularly the Supreme Court of the United States decision in the Citizens United case that said that money was the equivalent of political of speech and that corporations were the equivalent of persons for purposes of protecting speech. Many people believe that those were wrong decisions and that it's quite possible that we could have a constitutional amendment to reverse them, which would then create a situation where the voice of a critical mass of people committed to the values that truly support the values of the community could be heard without being distorted by corporate and big money interests. Yeah, I think the notion that corporations are people wasn't even a decision of the Supreme Court. It was something that a clerk put in that was never corrected. But I, I think you can make a case that corporations are people. They're just sort of sociopathic people. <laughs> <laughs> That's their problem. So we're coming up near the end, and I just want to get a couple of things from you on a more personal level. So, I mean, you were not one of the founders. You came to this later. What was your journey to this work? Well, Rami, I, uh, I think even when I was a little boy, like five and six and seven years old, I, I sensed that something was really wrong with the world around me, that people weren't connecting in the way that they ought to be able to, and that the way people were living their lives, there was something disconnected about it. So I've often looked for like, well, what's that missing ingredient that connects people? And I felt like there was something wrong with the way our whole culture was organized, but I thought there was no way I could do anything about it. And then when I encountered the Pachamama Alliance, and they were not only seeking to change those very things, that had bothered me, but that I didn't see any way to act on. But they were also doing it in a way that was connected with the natural world and with indigenous people, which in my own travels and um, experiences hiking and connecting with the world had been a source of enormous guidance and satisfaction to me. And I thought, 
wow, this is a coming together of everything I've found to be most important in my life. I'd like to be part of that. And I've been working for the organization for about 10 years now. It's nice to have that integration of your own personal passion and saving the planet at the same time. My guest today was Ruel Walker. You can learn more about Ruel's work at Pachamama.org. Thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. It was really interesting. Thank you, Rami. Support for this week's edition of Essential Conversations is provided by best-selling author and master energy healer, Carol Tuttle, and Dressing Your Truth, the effortless makeover program that veils the true, beautiful you in the world. Experience your life-changing transformation at DressingYourTruth.com. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats. That will download to any tablet or smartphone and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Corinne Johnston and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.